Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. The first month of the season is over, but things have not improved since our last episode. We'll talk about the CBJ's rough week, questionable lineup decisions, and what they can do with another tough slate ahead. I am Ryan Rial. Joining us for this episode, we've got William Chase. Hey, Will. Hey, guys. What's up? Another year older, and we've got Eric Seeds. Hey, Seeds. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Good. Seeds, I presume you're the same age since last week, unlike, <laughs> unlike Will. Yes, I, am, I, have, I have not aged this week, although my dad and my sister both have had birthdays uh, since we last spoke. Must be a good time for birthdays, then. A lot of candy, anyway. <laughs> All right, the Blue Jackets went 0-2-1 last week, salvaging a point in St. Louis and getting blasted at home by a pair of Western Canadian teams in the Oilers and Flames. On last week's episode, we were discussing a six-game point streak coming to an end, and now the Jackets have not won in four games. What are our thoughts? First of all, my first thought is I hate playing Edmonton. This team never shows up against Edmonton for some reason. It I don't understand what it is. Columbus, for some reason, you know, Edmonton's got a total of like five guys who can play forward for that team, at least based on the based on like usage rates. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl mm-hmm. are, and James Neal are basically carrying that hockey team. And yet somehow they just still manage to destroy us. The Blue Jackets. They ha- they, they are consistently inconsistent at this point. Um, we saw Elvis get cha- or we saw Jonas Corposalo get chased on uh, in that Edmonton game. He uh, gave up. Dating back to the Philadelphia game, he gave up something like eight goals on 12 total shots or something like that. It was just it's a it's been a total team breakdown from coaching staff to players to goaltending to defense. I mean, we took three too many men penalties in like a game and a third. That's it's utterly absurd. It's just small mental just mental errors of guys not talking, guys not communicating. It's just Everything that could have gone wrong this week for this hockey team went wrong. It's pretty annoying actually watching this team. And the funny thing is, I thought about this. I prepared myself to be very frustrated with this team because we knew all the guys that left and the young guys. And But I don't even think it's that the frustration that I prepared myself for, it's aimed at probably or was aimed, I guess, at the guys that I expected 
to have issues. And instead, I'm frustrated, like Seats has mentioned before, Kim Atkinson hasn't done anything yet. And the power play, not that I, I mean, I was foolish to think that it would be different, but that's still a train wreck. And there's no signs of it getting better because all they do is shuffle personnel around, which may or may not help. But I think the root of the problem is still behind the bench in one way or another. Um, so I don't know. The team is frustrating. Edmonton has had, or yeah, they've had their issues with Edmonton over going back to at least last year. Um, I think they've had success prior to last year, but who knows? Anyway, at this point, I will hope that Columbus brings it tomorrow night against Vegas because they've had success against them. But I mean, that's last year. Who cares about last year at this point? So anyway, yeah. The, the positive is they had a couple of uh, two-goal leads in the last two or th- two of the last three games, and they still blew them. So it's not, you know, it's hard to be positive right now. Right. And in the course of a long NHL season, there are bound to be undulations and, and peaks and valleys. But this team, like Will said, I agree, they're not fun to watch right now. We knew scoring would be an issue, and scoring has become an issue. Special teams are awful. The goaltending is substandard right now. We were we thought we might get glimpses. We thought we had glimpses of good goaltending and what it could be. And so far, it's not there. Elvis did great coming in in mop-up duty on Wednesday, but looked okay against St. Louis, I guess. But again, for a guy who's still adjusting, but that's not going to get you so far. At the same time, the Islanders have ripped off nine straight wins. Caps have won four in a row. And the Jackets had the worst goal differential in the Metro. But other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> exactly. And I'm not like piling on the Jackets right now. It's just they're not a fun team to watch. They're not mm-hmm. doing anything extremely well. The veterans are not showing up. The defense does not look great. And I, 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 Okay, it sounds like I'm piling on. But you know what I mean. It's... it's Yeah. And, and I, don't, I don't see anything... Like, what would it take to get better? Would it, would it take... Or what would it take to to classify as a turnaround? How would they win games? Would it would would the offense have to show up all of a sudden? Would like like how does that happen? Is what I'm saying. I I I want to like harken back to what Will said with like guys not showing up. Do you guys know when Cam Atkinson uh, Cam Atkinson has one goal in his last eleven games played for this hockey team? He's got one goal since uh, we played since we beat Buffalo on the first Monday of the season. It's like Carolina goal, right? Yep. That is yeah. his only goal since then. He has three, he has three, four points or five points since then. I mean, you, the guy, the guys you're counting on who, you know, for better or worse, you know, these, these are the guys who, you know, we we're going to war with this year and they're just not showing up. Atkinson, Atkinson hasn't done anything at five on five. Your leading scorer is Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's got 10 points and was demoted to the fourth line on Saturday night because, I I don't know, he played terribly, I guess. Gus Nyquist hasn't really played all that well, and it's just it's just frustrating. You know, you, you see these guys who have who we know have produced before, and the whole team can't have been, have just fallen apart because Artemi Panarin left, right? So... No, it's it's just it's just frustrating. And then, like, Ryan, to your point of how does this team start winning games? I outside of one of these two goaltenders developing Vesna, you know, developing into a Vesna caliber player. I don't really know where we're going to get wins from because the offense isn't consistently scoring well enough. The the defense is playing 
fine, I guess, but they are this this entire team is so prone to defensive zone breakdowns. It's like every, it feels like every single major breakdown that they have results in the in the puck going into the back of the net. And in years past, you know, we used to have Sergei Bobrovsky who would, you know, be able to stop a, you know, breakaway now and then, but we have no one who's shown that ability this year. We just, it's, it's, I, I, like I say, I sound like I'm piling on the jackets now, but I, I legitimately don't know how we, we get a win or we consistently start winning. Here's the thing. I don't know about you guys. I fall pretty half glass full during the six game point streak. And I know that included a few overtime losses. And I know that, you know, come with the good is going to be the bad. And I know it's only in three games since then, but yeah, I mean, there's themes, there's constant underlying themes with the whole six game point streak. It was, well, they're still losing a few of these games that they could have maybe won or they're getting points in games and maybe they shouldn't have gotten points in. So it's, I don't want to like go like too negative after a three game, pretty bad three game sample. But sure. at the same time, I think though, like we don't really, yeah, it'd be great if Corpus Allo and Elvis and two of his three starts, they've been really good. Two of the last two starts, that is. So. I don't think we necessarily need Corpusala to be Vezina Bob like last year or, or in the past. Of course, that'd be great. But really, we just need the defense to hold their own out there. And I don't know. It just seems like I've seen Corpusala have to, you know, stand on his head and he's getting crazy shots at him because there's breakdowns. And I don't know how many power plays the Blue Jackets have been on in which there's an odd man rush going the other way because of a breakdown. So that doesn't help him. But um yeah, basically, uh, I feel like, just real fast, I think guys like Cam Atkinson are going to score their goals, but the way I'm thinking about it is, okay, who cares if he scores 30 goals if it's, you know, it gets on a run in December or January and the team is buried in the standings and it's like garbage time at that point. It's like, we need him to score goals now. And they're talking about breaking up Cam Atkinson with Dubois. And when you look at the with or without chart on uh, of Kim Atkinson on hockeyviz.com Kim Atkinson and it's like 35 40 minutes I believe so it's kind of a small sample size but Atkinson away from Dubois is just awful I mean he is horrible when he's not skating with Dubois so I don't know I think Kim will get going but he better get going now because it's not early anymore he needs to start scoring goals now speaking of hockeyviz.com Micah, Micah Blake McCurdy put the Jackets playoff odds right now at 25 percent so take from that, what you will. And and speaking of advanced analytics, uh, Sean Tierney from Charting Hockey posted the ex, uh, expected goal against rates for the Blue Jackets. And Murray Savard, Murray Nudabara, Wierenski Jones, all on the bad dull side. There's only one pairing, small sample size on the good side, and that's Gavrikov and Kukan. So, not great, that said, Bob. Yeah, let's wait for that. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Both of you mentioned playing with the roster and and moving guys in and out of the lineup. 
On Monday, Pale Dragon wrote Cannon Blast, kind of a weekly roundup of Jackets news, and went in on the Nudavara Harrington decision. And of course, Sonny Milano is also still out there. He had four points in four games. He scored against St. Louis, but also took two bad penalties, including the one that allowed St. Louis to score in overtime. And then he also took a penalty against Calgary on Saturday. He's in and out. He's he's getting his ice time moved up and down. So, guys, what are we making of all the the lineup drama? So it's funny because, as you all know, and I've said this before, I've been a torts the torts supporter, but I'm kind of irritated because, I mean, I don't know. I think part of it might be um, they're scrambling, just trying to get some chemistry, some kind of lines to work. So that's one thing, but like. You know, how is a guy like Milano going to play, what, 30 seconds in a period and then or be benched for a whole period, basically, and then play the third period or whatever? Because if you're not going to play a certain guy, don't play him or get him off the team, trade him, whatever, or give him his minutes. Because, like, there's certain guy or like Harrington uh, being over uh, Nudavara in the, in the, on the defensive side. I mean, we all know what Harrington is or isn't and how good Nudavara can be. So it's like... I don't know if it's a panic move. I don't know if Torts is trying to send a message. I think that don't send a message by benching maybe your best guys or like if a guy like Dubois, who has been really good for the most part, don't don't bench a guy for a bad penalty when we're down two goals in the third period or, you know, you need that guy to score. I mean, yeah, you can send a message, but we're also trying to win games here. The team isn't exactly playing well. So I'm, I'm kind of irritated with the lineup. I guess, configurations. And usually I'm like, let the coach do his thing. But I mean, he's been doing this before this year. And I don't know, more or less, I feel like it's just kind of frustrating with um, either juggling or, and again, if you're trying to sustain some kind of chemistry, I don't think shaking it up all the time is really going to help that either. But I think they just need to have confidence in their veterans or, you know, of course, the veterans need to do their part, too, like I mentioned before. But don't take out Nudavara for Harrington, for starters. Right. Yeah, one of Pale Dragon's big, big points is that um, that he's made repeatedly in the past is that t- take a guy like Alexander Winberg. That guy needs consistent line mates. It, it's like shown in his advanced metrics that he needs consistent line mates to to produce basically otherwise he's not producing and speaking of not producing there's another there's another guy on the list who started hot and hasn't done much of anything of late just juggling the lineup like you said will you know we're down we're down two goals in the third period and you're putting Pierre-Luc Dubois down on the fourth line and like not playing him I, I I get sending a message but come on it's it's yeah it's incredibly frustrating to see that like this this team isn't is I don't I, I know they're young I know you have to kind of keep them disciplined and you know you might be frustrated you know Sonny Milano took an offensive zone penalty on Saturday night and then play and played twenty seconds or whatever it was in the third period or in the second period the the penalty was kind of garbage but you know it's it's still in the books and he's he's in the box but man like. This this team is struggling to score goals right now. They're struggling to have any form of chemistry, and they're not being helped by the coaching staff. I feel like the coaching staff has been more of a hindrance at this point. You know, nail, nailing a guy to the end of the bench because he took a he took a offensive zone face off is fine, I guess. But it just kind of to me is like it's waving the white flag of 
you know, we're not going to, you know, this guy, this guy's been one of our better goal scorers over the last fortnight. And we're just kind of just going to nail him to the bench because reasons and feel the need to play guys who out of position, play guys more minutes and run those guys into the ground who aren't producing. And as far as the defensemen go, I, I realize Ryan Murray's hurt and that really sucks, but there is no, unless, unless there are so many injuries that Scott Harrington must draw into the lineup, Scott Harrington should never draw into the lineup. He is just not a good, he's just not a, he's not an NHL player. He's not a good NHL player. And it's, it's just incredibly frustrating to see the coaching staff make decision after decision that while the players are not executing on the ice in really any capacity right now, because they're just not they're We're not scoring goals. We're not uh, stopping goals. We're not playing well on either side of special teams. They're not being helped by their coaching staff. The coaching staff at, is more of a hindrance at this point than anything else. I hear I do have a semi hot take, and that is I'm a little tired of hearing about Sonny Milano. <laughs> okay, he was drafted five years ago, right? Now he's had 82 full games of experience. So if you want to go by actual NHL games, he's had one full season at this point over the course of five years. I do feel like though his offensive games gotten better, and maybe his defensive games gotten better. Obviously, I guess if they if they needed him bad enough to to keep him here, he's he's doing something right and i guess that's the crux of the argument but at the same time it is so frustrating to see him do the same stupid crap that he's (laughs) that he gets in the doghouse for right like that is so frustrating and so i i on one hand i get it he's the only one putting points on the board this team has a dearth of scoring we don't know where it's going to come from this guy is putting up some numbers i get it but on the other hand it's like when is sunny going to figure it out when is Sonny mm-hmm. going to not take stupid stick penalties? And were they borderline? Yeah, sure. But at the same time, he's taking them. Yeah. And you're, that's you're... the knock on him. And he knows he can't do that. He knows that, that that gets him stapled to the bench. And this is not his first go around with Tortorella. He knew he was going to have a good shot to crack the lineup. Stay in Columbus is here. And it's still happening. So I think I think Sonny gets a little bit of a free pass from CBJ fans. Mm-hmm. And that's my semi-hot take. And I, I, I would love to not talk about Sonny Milano anymore, but but <laughs> he's giving us reasons to, good and bad. Yeah, you're not you're not wrong. I honest to God, I think that kid just needs a change of scenery, just get out of here. You know, go someplace where mm-hmm. there's not all these expectations of, oh, you were a first round pick, so you must you've got to produce and you've got to do this, you've got to do that. I think I and I don't know if that change of scenery will ever come. I'm not Yarmo Kekalainen, but I it's it is it, it is incredibly frustrating to watch Sonny Milano, and yeah, I don't blame you for not wanting to talk about him because you know he'll he'll score the, he'll score that highlight reel goal between his legs and then take two stupid penalties and cost his team a victory. It's it's incredibly frustrating, but yeah, Ryan, like you said, it's it it really just sucks that we have to you know, but we're arguing about Sonny Milano. Um, or we're, no, we're not right, arguing, right, but, right. But we're, but we're talking, we're talking about Sonny Milano because no one else on this team is the, the reason this is even a discussion is because no one else on this team is scoring. And it's exactly. that, that's the incredibly frustrating part is you have all of these guys who are getting paid a lot of good money to mm-hmm. do nothing on the score yeah. this season, at least nothing of consequence. But yeah, there's, there's, they've, they've had several games this year where the, the offense is just, you know, you might have well, you might as well put out in like an all points bulletin to look for them. You know, send out a uh, send out an amber alert for our <laughs> offense or something. It's wild. No, that's the right take. That that 
if we're talking about free passes, there are a lot of guys who are really getting free passes. Stop liking my tweets and start scoring goals, Cam Atkinson. <laughs> Can you imagine though if 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 Milano's between the legs goal hadn't have gone in? Uh, he might he might have got sent to Cleveland already. He would be in Jacksonville right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because ever since that goal, there's been so many between the leg goals, and people are like, "Oh, look what Milano started." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, throwing lacrosse. He's gonna try lacrosse goal next, and towards his head will just explode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we do have good news from the organization in the form of the Cleveland Monsters, and we are going to take a listen to Elaine Shercliffe's new segment, The Monsters Minute. The Cleveland Monsters had another successful weekend as they took down the reigning Calder Cup champions, the Charlotte Checkers, 2-1 and 5-1. Friday's 2-1 overtime win ended on a penalty shot courtesy of Monsters captain Nathan Gerby. On Sunday, the defense shone bright, scoring three of the Monsters' five goals. Fans also had a chance to see Jakob Lilja drawn to the third line in place of Cole Sherwood. Lilia played a quiet game as he tried to learn the Monsters system. Scoring is definitely not an issue for the Monsters right now. In the past four games, they have outscored their opponent 19-3. Despite being on a scoring bender, the Monsters currently sit fourth in the North Division. Both the Toronto Marlies and Utica Comets kick the season off with win streaks. Toronto with six, Utica with eight. Next up for the Monsters is a day game against the Grand Rapids Griffins on Wednesday. They return to the newly renovated Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse on Friday and Saturday to take on the Laval Rocket. Both games are set for 7 p.m. I'm Elaine Shercliffe, and this has been your Monsters Minute. We've been kind of a downer again on this episode, but there have been some bright spots. Well, actually, I was just looking at Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I know before the season, people were kind of concerned, like El Polito, I believe, and maybe some others, some of other of us in Slack, about how he would do without Panarin. And Dubois, right now, has six goals for us. He has 10 points on the air with six goals and three power play points. I feel like he's doing as well as he did, you know, to start last year, at least through the first month. And... uh you know, it's like he's kind of answering the questions that we might have wondered whether or not he would drive the player, do what he can offensively. And now instead, it's Atkinson who we were waiting on to pull his weight. He's absolutely been a bright spot. I think we said that last week. He's He's been really refreshing to watch. Even if some of his goals were kind of dumb, like that one he threw at the net, uh, I want to say maybe that was against Anaheim a while ago. Still counts. I mean, even then, it's like... Yeah, they all count. You know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's doing his part at least, and that's that's at least at, at least he's throwing the puck on net, unlike some of our other guys are. Right, simple as it is, and we always say it: throw the puck at the net. John Luc Grandpierre said the same thing. I think it was before the last game on the power play. Just throw it at the net. One of these has to get through, and it's so simple, and yet it just never seems to happen. But yeah, I'm with you guys. I was one of the people who was kind of concerned about him going into the season, just because. For so much of his career, he's been playing, you know, right next to our Timmy Panarin. And I was, you know, as as any fan would be, just kind of concerned to see how is he going to play without this otherworldly goal scorer on his wing. And I've been thoroughly impressed with Pierre-Luc Dubois this season. 
Uh, we just saw Nico Heischer get that contract up in New Jersey, and Dubois is going to get at least that, if not exceed it. He's got better numbers than Heischer. I, I have really no complaints about Dubois this season. He's He's been really, really a solid uh, center for this team. He's developing into a more of a power forward. He's it's been really refreshing to see him learn how to use his size thus far this season. That's been, that's been really nice. He's kind of filled out his body and he's kind of learning how to use it and um, keep defenders on his back so he can, you know, get shots or get, make passes. It's been really nice to see his development. Another guy throwing his body around this past week, Cole Sherwood. I, I am glad the NHL suspended Milan Lucic. I didn't know if they would because I don't trust the Department of Player Safety. <laughs> it should it should have been more, but I'm pleasantly surprised they even suspended him. So good for Cole Sherwood because I mean people were saying he was probably the most noticeable player on the ice for Columbus in a good way, which is bad for everybody else as well. But good for Sherwood making the most of his opportunity so far again this year and um, or in his career. But also, yeah. It was nice to see everybody for a minute recognize, like, obviously everybody should recognize that Lucic, that was a cheap play and he should have been suspended. But everybody, regardless if they were Blue Jacket fans or not, all I saw on Twitter was, wow, what a dumb play by Lucic. He should be suspended. So kind of good to see in a somewhat Columbus, I guess, national story. I didn't see really any people like you know, going the other way with that. And I was surprised that Sherwood was was actually called for a penalty on that, but that was just because I guess, you know, technically he hooked the goalie or whatever, but yeah. Um, Lucic is a waste of space. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, the Blue Jackets played Vegas Golden Knights on Tuesday. Then they are at Arizona on Thursday for that 9 PM puck drop. And then there's another mountain time, 9 PM puck drop on Saturday at Colorado. So we talked last week about the schedule and how it doesn't get any easier, and those are three pretty good teams this week. Well, boys, we are just about out of time. It is time for final thoughts. Let's go around. I guess I'll start. Again, I was I said earlier about Pierre-Luc Dubois being a nice, uh, yeah, having a nice start to the season. So they're, they're reshuffling the lineup and the power play again. I don't have any faith in the power play doing anything differently just because why would anything matter or change at this point. But I, I don't know. I can't get past this. Cam Atkinson needs to just start putting the puck in the net tomorrow against Vegas. So that's all I've got. I want him to start scoring goals right now. Five on five. And special teams, but definitely five on five. Yeah, listen to Will. <laughs> listen to Will Cam. Only he he only responds to seeds, but I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> My final thought, you've probably seen a lot about it in the news over the past week. R.I.P. Deadspin. Deadspin still lives as a zombie husk of itself, but I have visited Deadspin literally every day that I've had internet access. I've been like camping or traveling or something, but every day for the past 13 years, I found it while I was goofing off as an intern in 2006. And Drew McGarry said it was the, Deadspin is like the Velvet Underground in, in that it's like the blog that got everybody else to start a sports blog. And I, I believe that. I mean, I'm that's Deadspin is directly to the, related to the reason that I'm here. And I miss it a lot. I have a lot of love for Deadspin. It's kind of wrapped up in, in I, I don't think there's anything else that I've read in my life more than, than Deadspin. So there's been enough great eulogies out there. Just, it, it was weird to go online today and not habitually type Deadspin in. And it's a bummer is all. So a big part of my life has ended. And uh, if you see any like threads or, or posts that are like, here are some great Deadspin pieces over the past 13 years, go check them out because uh, it's good work. The other thing, side note, 
if you're listening to this on Tuesday, go vote. Go vote in whatever election is is in your area. Do some research and make some choices. Go vote. There you go. Yeah, my, my final thought is much less consequential than voting, but everyone should go do that. Voting is important. Make sure make sure you vote and uh, get out there. As a side note, I just want to say 15-year-old me is really excited that My Chemical Romance is back. Um, they're, yeah. performing a, they're performing <laughs> a reunion in uh, L.A. right before Christmas. Unfortunately, I cannot go, but I wish I could. My actual final thought is related to a different podcast. I was listening to the CBJ and 30 podcast this morning, and I happened to hear one of the questions where someone suggested trading Seth Jones and Ryan Murray to the Washington Capitals for Tom Wilson and Jacob Rana. And I almost had a stroke this morning listening to that. <laughs> to, to the CBJ fan base at large, stop trying to trade Seth Jones. He's really good. And stop trying to acquire Tom Wilson. He's a trash player. I agree. I that's, agree. that's my final thought. Tom Wilson is trash and Seth Jones is good. So well stop trying to make <laughs> stop trying to make stop trying to make Tom Wilson happen. <laughs> Hottest to take. Seth Jones good, Tom Wilson bad. That's that's what Seeds is known for. Well, that will just about do it for us. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Check out her album 430. It's streaming everywhere, and you can find out more at AngelaPurley.com. Rate us, leave us a review on iTunes, tell a friend about the podcast, tell them how good it is and how much you learn and how much you love listening to it. You don't have to tell them all that, but just tell them that, that we exist and we're fun. Listen, you can tweet at us at CBJCannon, comment on JacketsCannon.com. El Polito had a great piece about the prospects, so if you're wondering what Eric Horth is doing out uh, in the world, go check that out, jacketscanon.com. There's a lot of great stuff there. And join the conversation, comment. There's a lot of great people on there. You can talk back and forth. So anyway, that'll do it for us. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.